Welcome to the seventh episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me are Andrew Brown and Michael Majors, a couple of people who are going to be attending this upcoming pro tour here. Uh, I am, I'm not going to be attending, so I'm just going to throw that out there now so, so people know. The good thing, I think, is that that means that I just get to write about whatever because I don't care what happens. I don't care about hiding anything from the pro tour or anything, so... Basically, you're going to get my best information, and, you know, Majors is a little shady, so he's probably going to hide some stuff from you. What are you even talking about? I, I share everything with the people. I, I did this week. It's going to come up today. I'm kidding. I'm very passionate when you lie about me. <laughs> but I only lie about you when it's, like, the most blatantly obvious lie. You know, it is the exact opposite of what you are and what you do. So, Michael, how do your teammates feel about that? Well, I mean, I haven't done any live testing with them, and this is kind of just like my off-the-rip like reaction, and I kind of think it's obvious isn't the right word, but but basically what we're alluding to is I, I have an article come out this week talking about Emerge, and I think it's a inherently broken mechanic. It's on Select. It's on Star City Games. Michael said it's going to be great. I haven't read it yet, so I, I don't know for sure. But but what if your off-the-cuff idea is just so good? Oh, it is really good. No, like we, we played a little bit today in a Versus video, and deck was obviously a little rough because it was the first thing, but it's like these are the only cards that I want to build around. But anyway, we're going to get into that stuff later because I think it's a pretty big deal. And first of all, uh, we should just talk about some cards that we kind of just picked out uh, from the spoiler where they're a little bit unique in what they do or what they do to the format. And I was talking to these guys earlier and it's like, yeah, we can talk about Tamiyo and say like, it's good, here are the reasons why, but that is kind of obvious, even if you don't know how good it is. I think Majors found out that it is a lot better than he thought it was, but he already thought it was really good. So like, you know, do we need to talk about it? What's the point really? I, I will say, I do want to touch on Tamiyo specifically that like, it's not intuitive how good it is until you actually play games with it. Let's just throw that up there. That is reasonable, and I think that is the case with a lot of cards. But it so you might not know why it's good, but it's like it's got a lot of text, and a lot of the text is very good, like powerful things, just like drawing cards, freezing their stuff, just being a planeswalker, right? I don't know. I, I feel like you read that card and you're like, well, this is hella good. I mean, obviously the mana's prohibitive, right? And you need to play with creatures, but it's like, oh, look, there are a couple Bant decks in standard that are doing just that and kind of want this card, so. Yeah, we, we kind of like bumbled our way through like three situations where it was like, oh, he could do A, B, or C, and they'd all be really, really good. I, I think it actually went down to like F, you know, like there were, there were a lot yeah, of Yeah, realistically. But anyway, first card I want to talk about was, uh, as of this podcast, it was spoiled this morning, and I've kind of just been thinking about it all day. It is Grim Flare. It is BG for a 2-2 Trample, uh, Human Warrior, if that's relevant, uh, maybe some Arashian Foremost action. Uh, it has Trample, and whenever this deals combat damage to a player, look at the top three cards of your library, put any number of them into your graveyard, and the rest back on top of your library in any order, and... If you have Delirium, it gets plus two, plus two. There's a lot going on with this card. It's like functionally Scry 3, but better, because it actually fuels Delirium in any, you know, reanimation strategies or anything crazy that you're trying to do with that. Uh, and it's basically like comparable rate to Sylvan Advocate and the fact that it grows and scales into the late game. But notably, it, it does not win the fight with Sylvan Advocate at any point. Well, I mean, it wins the fight when you have Delirium and Sylvan Advocate doesn't have six lands out. 
Right, but if, if you go like this thing, they play Advocate, you're just immediately brick-walled. You can't even like connect with it uh, to use the ability. Obviously, if you just have a removal spell, that's great. I, I would think that like this, this thing probably needs like two hits to connect to actually hit Delirium all on its own, which... I think is fine, but maybe it's only one because maybe you have like an Evolving Wilds and a spell and then you just hit like some other assorted cards, right? Point being, it doesn't it doesn't look like it provides card advantage, but I think it does, even though it's not like in your face. Two things I like about this card are, A, I think it is like the Delirium card. Like if you're trying to like put cards in your deck that have the word Delirium on them, this is what you're trying to do. I like that because I feel like that sort of deck was always missing this sort of thing because I tried to build those decks and it, they were very clearly lacking. Uh, and now I'm building a bunch of decks around this card where it's like, oh, maybe I'll build like this little beatdown deck with like the 1-1 one, one death touch that becomes a 3-3 three, three, and uh, maybe I'll scale all the way up to like the spider and maybe have like an emerald to traverse for or something. Uh, so I like this card a lot just because it, it, is, it like makes that archetype and in a lot of different ways. And the other thing is that I, I compared this card to, God, I, what, what's the 3UU 4-3 flyer that hits them and scries to? Andrew, you know this. We, we called it Dragonlord Ogertites from uh, <laughs> from Battle for Zendikar. Uh, Halimar Patrol, Halimar Patrol. Sure. So it feels a lot like that card, where just like you hit them, and the game feels like so out of control because, you know, they're, they're finding exactly what they need on the next turn. Is it, Like, obviously that's kind of a stretch, right? Like you're not actually casting Demonic Tutor, but it is close. Like I was saying, it's not like inherently that you draw cards or whatever, but if you have three lands on top of your deck and it's turn six, then like you have functionally, you know, filtered through three dread, dead draw steps. You have drawn three cards and to some extent. Something I'm excited to do with this card, you were talking about how it just loses the fight to self and advocate, but, you know, just porting the idea of green white into green black. So you can go like this guy into Nissa into down, and then you can automatically just connect through their advocate or, you know, start filtering through your library and getting delirium immediately and i really like this with the spider and nissa you know she's got same kind of green white theory behind it but you're just using these more powerful new cards i don't know if you go flare they go advocate you go nissa tick down then you just hit them and they attack your nissa and your nissa dies you just battle growth your flare yeah i hadn't really thought that far <laughs> kind of what, what Jerry was, was touching on before. It's like, this is what you want to do with Delirium. Did you guys forget that, like, Mindrack Demon exists? Like, now you actually have a clean curve all the way up. No, I did not forget that card existed. It just, it's so bad against Reflector Mage. It is, but, like, it's it still, like, lines up really well with, like, you know, Archangel Avison and Planeswalkers and now um, Gisela. Like, I think that card is powerful, even though, obviously, it, it doesn't line up well with Reflector Mage. The issue before is, like, you could you could just, like, cast it and randomly, like, take four to eight. But I think, like, the Delirium deck is, like, kind of becoming cohesive enough to where it doesn't have a drawback anymore. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And obviously Reflector Mage is not in every deck. I think currently those Bant decks are maybe 20% of the format between humans and actual Bant companies. So that that is a big chunk, but, I mean, it, it is still very good. Also, like, Gideon is a card that it lines up pretty well against. I think this card is going to be really powerful. I thought about buying some for $10 today, and then I got home from doing our video, and they went up to 15 so that's kind of a tilt. So, Dude, do we have any stories about, like, man, I just got in on this Mythic when it was low, and now it's, like, doubled up? Like, we have zero of those stories. Uh, I mean, I have zero of these stories since I started the podcast. Do you, do you remember how many Kalidases we bought for, like, $6? That was awesome. Yeah, but that was, like, after you had, like, played a tournament with it, and you're like, dude, this card's great. Let's just go buy them all. I was like, all right, cool. Whenever it's, like, the pre-sale thing, we just always miss the boat. 
Well, no, because I bought like play sets of things. Like I bought Chandra's and Kalidas's that were both pretty low. And now, now I'm trying to go a little bit harder because it's like, I'm, I'm generally not wrong and I'm not wrong by that much if it happens. So it's like, ah, oh, Kalidas at like, you know, six to eight or whatever. That seems reasonable. I will buy like three of them. I think three is like the max I would play in a deck. But yeah, now, now I'm kind of more in the market for actually just buying like 20 of them. Showing some ambition. A little, a little bit of ambition, you know, trying to make my money work for me or go broke, whichever. But yeah, Grim Flare at 15, I don't think is great. Uh, it's going to depend on how week one goes, probably. So hopefully no one breaks it and I can just buy them for like eight bucks or whatever. Week one is going to be a an open, right? So uh, it goes pre-release, then SCG Columbus, then SCG Baltimore, and then the Pro Tour. There's no invitational in between? No. Uh, generally, the invitationals are like at the end of a format that like there have been a couple anomalies where they've actually been before pro tours, but that is not the way that they are trying to schedule them. I believe, I don't think that was a conscious decision, but I don't know for sure. It was helpful last pro tour to have the uh, invitational right before and all that good information. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful for the pro tour players for sure, but the invitational at that point, like takes a lot of, the oomph out of the pro tour even just having the opens before the pro tour does that where it's just like people are like less excited because they've kind of already seen how the cards play out so i mean it really does help the pro players though because you need like some form of reference to just be like a wild west shootout yeah i love the wild west shootouts though those are so much fun as a competitor i don't like it as a viewer i would love it no it's, it's your job as a magic pro to make these fun and interesting decks that people are going to see and want to play and therefore like buy packs and stuff like that is your job it should not be like oh man i just copied a band company list from some guy who won this 700 player open like that's not very fun i mean i i agree with what you're saying i'm just saying from my point of view as a competitor i don't want to be in a wild west shootout but but you're also the guy that top aided with blue red eldrazi and you guys won the pro tour and that was like the wild west like you guys you guys figured out like a good version of the best deck and i think that's like really compelling I, it was just experimenting really you just got to yeah but you pulled the trigger on it too i mean yeah there was a lot of yolo going involved going into that <laughs> well uh, i think it worked so it did work <laughs> i remember walking up to you and being like so you're playing ivugan right I wasn't happy about it. It's not like, oh, I have Ugin's bad. Like, I figured out that it's bad or whatever. It was just like, no, I couldn't find a good deck. Like, why didn't you talk to me before the tournament? If you were like, I have a good Eldrazi list, and you sent me this list with, like, Vile Aggregates and Ruination Guides and stuff, I would have played it in the dark. I just assume, like, that there was a busted list out there. You guys actually broke it by mulliganing every hand. I don't know why we're talking about Eldrazi, but we are. But, like, boys, boys, boys. Let's, let's reel it in. No, hold on, hold on. Mulliganing every hand that didn't have a two mana land was the secret, and at that, like at that point, you can figure out how to build your deck however you want. Yeah. Yes. Once you establish that precedent, then you can be like, okay, how do I abuse this? Right. I just never did the math. I was just like, oh, this two mana hand or two land hand with like matter reshaper. It's got like a muta vault or whatever. It's just like, yeah, sure, I can just start playing magic on turn three. That'll work. But that stuff is fun, man. I don't know. Like for for a dude who top aided a PT, like playing the Wild West deck think you would have uh more love for i don't th- I, I wouldn't call that the wild west i would just call that like showing up with a gun at a, at a at a planned knife fight yeah you were playing a different deck than everyone else you guys like actually broke it how is that not sweet ideally for me every pro tour would just be a pre-release you would have like you would show up on thursday they would maybe like show you the card list or something you would tell them like what you wanted in your deck and then you would just play like limited constructed 
Anyways, back, anyway. back to the spoilers. Spoil me, Jerry. So, Grim Flayer, pretty good. Might be bad. Maybe these Delirium decks are just, you know, not up to snuff or whatever. I think a weakness to Reflector Mage is, is certainly among its issues. I guess we can get into the spider, because you guys seem to like the spider a lot. And I... I love spiders, man. Like, not real spiders, but like magic card spiders. I really don't like real spiders. But Ishkana? I, I don't know. Comma, Good enough. Graf, Wid- Graf Widow. Uh, 4G, legendary creature, spider. Rejoice for uh, Commander Peoples. Has reach. And then, uh, if you have Delirium, when this enters the battlefield, if, if you have Delirium, put three, one, two, green spider tokens with reach onto the battlefield. 6B, target opponent loses one life for each spider you control, and it's a 3-5. So 5-mana 3-5, ideally you get 3-1-2s, and then late game you have this this drain ability. Very excited to play this with Eldrazi Displacer. Okay, tell, tell me how your Displacer Ishkana Delirium deck is going to work. How are you going to like have Displacer, enough things to displace, and also have Delirium? You, you have the good base. You have access to Lanar Waste and Caves of Koilos. So immediately mm-hmm. you have eight sources of your Wingding and your colors. So ideally this deck would also play like, I don't know, Grim Flare, uh, maybe Mindrack Demon, Traverse the Uven Wall, some sort of toolboxy stuff, right? And you get to top out at Spider or Emrakul and just gum up the board and, you know, just win through this inevitability factor. So basically whenever I say things just like, well, surely you can't play, like, Displacer and this card and be able to get Delirium and still make Displacer good and whatever. Like, I'm almost inevitably proven wrong just because it's just like, oh, like, that's how they fit all this stuff in their deck. But I seriously think that it's, it is tough to play Displacer in a Delirium deck just because you need a wide variety of card types to turn on Delirium. Meanwhile, Displacer just wants you to have, like, a bunch of creatures, especially ones with, like, ETBs and stuff. So it, it seems very difficult to me, that's all. I think the point is that, like, the payoff for having Displacer plus this card is so high, because once you've assembled this combo, you you basically just can't die in creature combat, because you get a bunch of reach creatures. So, like, you can't get, like, attacked over the air, you can come up the ground because you're getting three creatures per activation, and then inevitably, like... You can build your deck to where maybe you abuse like Decimator of the Provinces, or you can just, if you're playing black, you can just activate the spider once you've assembled a million spiders. And that's reasonable to me. I am just worried about actually getting Delirium. Like, I get that, like, late game, sure, this this thing is, like, pretty much better than Brood Monitor, aside from the fact that you don't have, like, an infinite combo that kills them. This takes, like, a few turns, and then you're, a, like, a little bit weaker to Avacyn, maybe? Because, I don't well, know. Well, you have Displacer. Kill no, I know. I was gonna say like they could kill your displacer and then like kill all your stuff and then just kind of whatever. But the brood monitor thing generally killed them in like two turns, whereas this doesn't. You just kind of like prolong the game and then keep going. It takes a long time for like one twos to actually like break through. Well, I mean, you have the you have the activation. I mean, I'm assuming once you've assembled this Tron, you've already like locked them out to the point where you can just activate this and kill them through spider bites. But you have to, like, keep chumping with your spiders. I don't know, man. I'm wondering how you get Delirium and Displacer, that's all. It might be tough, but I, I just want to play with Cloudgate Spider, okay? Just give me that. Yeah, that's a good name yeah, for it. I, I like, like that, that name. This is, like, a reasonable payoff for those sorts of decks. Like, it doesn't seem like there's enough power to be like, oh, you know, this is why I'm working to, like, get Delirium, because you just get, like, three one-twos. Well, it's, it's like a cog in the machine, right? It's, it's not the end-all, be-all of what your deck is doing. Yeah, I think this is more of like a Traverse the Uvenwald card, since like 
now we have Grimflare and we have access. We can now actually play Mindwreck Demon. The Traverse deck is just going to be more of like toolbox centric, and it just happens to have like two to three spiders in it to like preserve its life total before you go off with like Crater Hoof Behemoth guy, or you just get an Emrakul. It seems like a good middle of the curve, stop your opponent from killing you, also is a threat kind of card that will solve a lot of problems. Okay, so yeah, I could see this as a thing that like buys you time to Emrakul. Also like that you can like play this and then like buy a bunch of time and then like Liliana mines it back and then like your opponent can't kill your Liliana and then you tick her up and just kind of like rinse and repeat. Like that's something I could see happening. Okay. Are we selling you? No, no, of course not. I'm still, I'm still a very, very skeptical, almost like always. But this thing, I don't know. The, the thing is, like, arguing that you can like do this really cool mid range thing where you like gain a bunch of incremental advantage, like over the course of three or four turns. Like, that's not really how Magic is played these days. No, it's not. That's that's why I'm worried about. Like, okay, you're gonna spend thirty mana to displace this thing a bunch of times. Hopefully, they don't have anything to like break up your combo, and then you'll start draining them for like five a turn or whatever. It's just like that seems just kind of like nonsense to me because I feel like at some point they're going to kill you. The, the, the argument is that it's hard to kill you through yeah, a legion yeah, of spiders, yeah. but that's what I was thinking. I mean, if, if you have displacer, you generally don't need the graph widow, right? Like displacer itself is just good on its own. And that's just another argument for the displacer part too. You get access to all of the, like the Abzan cards. Well, I, I think the black cards are very good. Like, Majors and I talked about building some decks like this. Uh, this was before actually Grimflayer got spoiled, but his was like Oath of Nyssa based. And then I changed mine to just be like Grasp of Darkness based. And I, I felt like that was a little bit stronger just so like, you know, you get a, a higher density of like different spells and stuff. So yeah, I, I don't feel like the way I was building my decks would actually even want Displacer. I, I think it was just like kind of like this mid-range beatdown-y thing like where I have like now you have Grimflayer is kind of like the putrid leech type of deal where it's just like, yeah, you just play some like oversized things, some removal spells. You have like some ways to filter your draws and stuff and then an Emrakul at the top end or whatever. I don't know. I don't feel like I really want Displacer though. All right. Think of the spider like this. This might be a little over the top, Jerry. Thragtusk. Hmm. Thragtusk gain life. I mean, they're essentially doing well, the same thing. They're just protecting yeah, you. Yeah, I mean... Getting, getting reach, I think, is pretty big. You know, just having a bunch of reach blockers. It is Thragtusk E, kind of, but I don't know. I also didn't play with very many Thragtusks in standard, so maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That card was pretty good. It was good. I don't know. Maybe I should just jam like three of these. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll play some games in the next couple of days, I think. Yeah, I think the spider is cool, but like I can see where it's like kind of gimmicky and not perhaps like the best payoff, but I do think the Displacer interaction is very good. But I, I do think it is a valued argument that you're basically just saying that Displacer is great and the Spider is, you know, medium or whatever. Yeah, the Spider could be literal Brood Monitor, you know? Like, Displacer makes Brood Monitor a constructed playable card. Uh, and, I like, this card is definitely constructed playable. I'm just, I'm very skeptical about, like, comboing and just, like, jamming this as, like, a three or four of. Like, I'm kind of skeptical of that. But uh, I do think this card is reasonable, you know? Yeah, well, we'll test it, play it, and then get back to you guys. Let me let me check how much this card is right now, and then I'm going to ask Michael Majors if he has purchased any. It is mythic, correct? It is mythic. Okay. I don't understand why this matters to you guys. It is two ninety nine. I mean, that's very cheap for a mythic. I agree. I, I've not purchased any. Is this matters to us, Andrew? Because we like money. We, we no, we like the rush. <laughs> that's what we like. <laughs> okay, we I like can. That, that's an argument I can get behind. It's 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 one of those things where it's just like. 
you know, we, we think we're kind of smart, right? And we want to reward ourselves somehow, even if it means like buying these Graph Widows for like $3 and selling them to a dealer for $4 later. It's just like, yeah, we did it, you know? <laughs> we, we, we sure showed them. And then I mean, dude, I, I, I still got a lot of Bygone Bishops sitting on my, my desk over here, so. Oh, I know. Well, we're, we're going to test some spirits. We're going to see what's up. Can we get a count on the Bygone Bishops? I don't think it would. No, you're not. You don't need to know. It's not quite Daybreak Ranger numbers, but it's up there. <laughs> I wanted to actually get a count of how many articles uh, you've posted with Bygone Bishop in it. Oh, no. Like, I mean, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to, like, trick anyone. Like, we want the card to actually be good. And if we think it's good, like, we'll definitely play with it. You know, like, we thought Bishop was good, and I played it in the Invitational and made the top eight. And I thought Bishop was very good in my deck. Let's clear this up right here. Like, if I'm putting my money where my mouth is, it's because I think the card is genuinely good. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is going to be a thing that we're, you know, considering playing in a tournament. It's not just like, oh, we're going to hype this card up and, like, hope it goes up because that's just stupid. I'm just poking fun, and I just know you really love clues, Michael. I do. Well, clues are sweet. Drawing cards is awesome. Man, I don't see any clue makers in this set. Is that There's no investigate. None? Yeah, there's no... There's, the Emrakul is above the plane. There's no investigation to be done. <laughs> they cracked the code. They figured it out. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. I don't know. It could have been one of those things where, like, Emrakul shows up at the end, but I guess that's not really what's going on here, right? It's about, like, you know, them actually fighting Emrakul and doing whatever. But anyway, God, we oh, are... Hold, 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 hold on, actually. I, this, this brings up a question for me. It's like, was the whole point of all the clues, like... Like, let's investigate, and then they come to the conclusion that Emrakul's here, and they're screwed, and that's it? Like, what's the deal there? Yeah, there was no, like, you know, quest to find a mythical weapon or whatever that could slay this thing, right? I guess it was just, like, maybe they found Liliana. There's like, yo, what's up? We need some help. Hook it up. Great. Oh, help us out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, she's part of the she's part of the Gatewatch now, I think. For now. Dude, there, she has an oath. She, she is. She, she took an oath. All right, we're... We're, we're sullying the integrity of our Spike podcast by talking about flavor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's fun to speculate when you just have no basis whatsoever. You just don't know. I'm sure the flavor is great, and I'm sure that somebody on the planet will enjoy it, but it's it's not me, and it's probably not you guys. No, you're right. Okay, let's talk about Liliana then. Brilliant transition. All right, Liliana, The Last Hope, 1BB, 3 Loyalty, Planeswalker, uh, plus one, up to one target creature gets minus two, minus one until your next turn. Minus two, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Minus seven, some nonsense emblem that probably wins you the game at some point. Uh, but the specifics are, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, put X22 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield where X is two plus the number of zombies you control. What? Dude, it, it's nonsense. It is nonsense. It will It will probably happen, but... No, it makes sense. Like, the zombie invasion is exponential, right? No, it is. That, that certainly makes sense. That is flavorful. I think we should just be done with flavor because we are really bad at this. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so, in my mind, this card is great. This card is going to be in Delirium decks. Uh, it is also just going to be in whatever black decks there are, I think. I do like the fact that the plus one is until your next turn because minus two minus one doesn't actually kill a whole lot in this format and in the the scenarios that we were talking about with grim flare liliana is like your way to get that through a sylvan advocate ah see you're so smart jerry 
while also not allowing Liliana to get hit back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you could go Nissa, battle growth my thing, lose my Nissa, or you could play Liliana and just be like, oh, we're golden, you know? Yeah, you're hey, right. Critically, Liliana, Liliana can kill plants and fockers, but not spiders. Just saying. Word. That is... Fact. Is that is that flavorful? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I also like the fact that if they go hanger back, you can go Liliana, tick up, kill your hanger back, and then next turn just tick up and kill their thopter too. So it's like a pretty clean answer to hanger back walker too. Mm-hmm. Dude, I think this card is sweet. It's not like... It's not Liliana the Veil. It's, it's probably... It's not even as good as Jace Bellerin or whatever, but it is a cheap planeswalker. It is... Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like similar power level to Nissa Voice of Zendikar to me in that it kind of, like, does these things that don't seem great, but at the same time, you're, like, getting to use this thing every single turn, and that adds up. I think the great thing about Liliana is that she plays well early because her plus ability actually controls the battlefield and makes your early plays more relevant than your opponents, but she scales really well into the late game because if you, like, top decker and minus her, you can probably get back, like, a bomb and just play it. Yeah, I think Liliana's going to end up like Nissa too. This this card strikes me as something that's, like, difficult to build around and difficult to, like, find what the right deck and what the right slot is for it. So I'm assuming we're not going to see a lot of Liliana at the start, but down the line, uh, people are going to figure out how to use her best. Well, if, if Grim Flayer sees play, then Liliana's going to see play, because I think those two just kind of go hand in hand. I agree with that. I also think the the mana there becomes pretty awkward, which is something to consider. Uh, The mana in the Delirium deck, or...? Yeah, just like, I mean, you have to be base black, but you also need, like, green on two, so, like, you probably want to play, like, Grim Flare and Sylvan Advocate, and then, like, kind of figure out where the rest of your green mana is going to go towards. I mean, I'm assuming we're playing, like, Evolving Wilds and Tireless Tracker, because we have to hit Delirium. Yeah, that's probably true. Just something that, that comes to mind when like you're trying to support a double-colored Planeswalker on turn three, but you probably can't play Oath of Nyssa. Yeah, I, I don't want to play Oath of Nyssa. I want to play like 18 black sources and like 15 or 16 green, and I think that's pretty decent. Uh, you have up to 12 dual lands if you want to play the Evolving Wilds, and I think you, sh- you should want to play at least some. I mean, like now you have like Liliana and Grimflare that can actually just mill yourself so you don't need to just like put the the land in your graveyard manually uh so I don't think you necessarily need to play eight ETB tap lands but it's certainly something you can do you have Traverse to fix a little bit if you just have like you know a forest on turn one or whatever so definitely as far as like a a two-color deck is concerned like the mana is not perfect I'm erring on the side of like building base black yeah I can see that I definitely like murder in this deck too why murder over ruinous path I mean, instant is a thing. Yeah. But there's there's also, like, Grasp of Darkness, and you could play Ultimate Price. I think Ultimate Price is going to get a lot worse. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but there's also, I keep messing this card's name up, Co- Collective Brutality. Like, that card's a sorcery. So you don't you definitely don't want to be sorcery flooded in in your Delirium deck. You know, you want a good mix. And I don't know if that's a card that you, you definitely play in this deck, but I think it's worth considering. It was definitely something that I thought was pretty bad at first glance. We talked about this a little bit. It, it, it makes sense, like, being able to, like, kill your opponent's small ball creature, get another card type in your graveyard for Delirium, and, like, take their Declaration Stone or whatever is, like, that's that's a lot out of one card. Yeah, and when you're, when you're like, setting up for, like, a Mind Wreck Demon or, or whatever, yeah, I think uh, just getting the removal spell out of their hand is pretty nice. Gets their Collected Company. You can also just, like, drain them if you want to. You know, Escalate Discard a card is obviously, it works with Madness, but it also works with Delirium, too. I, I feel like, you know, it's a card that you should probably consider. It might not be great, though. Also notably, like, Deadweight Effects get substantially better in a Liliana deck, because there's tons of 2-3s in this format. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can use this to tag team a Liliana to just outright kill their Advocate, which is pretty nice. 
Okay, I don't know. I like Liliana a lot. I can't really stress. Again, this is like another card that like started at 20. I didn't buy any, now they're at 30. I'm just real dumb. I uh, can't stress that enough. But when you have Liliana, like you just get to dictate the pace of the game in like the first three or four turns just by like having this minus two, minus one effect. And then if like they're ever starting to get ahead and like you're like, okay, fine, I'll just like start trading or whatever, then you can start like rebuying your creatures and stuff. I don't know. This card just seems really good to me. I mean, it's kind of like the Jace Telepath Unbound Squeeze, like in the previous standard format when you could flip Jace on turn three or four and like plus on your opponent's creature, it was so hard to kill him. And eventually yeah. once they started to gain traction, you just start minusing and casting real spells. So it's it's similar. Yep. Uh, this one does work well with creatures though, which I like instead of spells because the creatures are just way better than the spells now. Yep. Sad times. Need a Shriek Maw, you know? Need something we can bring back with this thing that actually like kills a creature or... Wasteland Strangler, baby. <laughs> Okay, okay, right. I mean, that's, that's reasonable. That's more of the, like, kill your small creature, and it's tough to exile stuff, I think. Yeah, how do we exile stuff in our Delirium deck? No, we'll probably just play, like, bad cards like Transgress, or, you know, just don't. Excuse me, I hadn't thought that far ahead, but, you know, I, I gave you an answer. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, your heart's is, in the right place. That is the Shriek Maw in the format, you're right. Voldaren Pariah, what about that one? Michael, this is your girl. I don't know what that does. That's the, the Grave Pact. Grave Pack Vampire. This is what you call Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really horrible with names. I, I think that card's pretty sweet. It, it requires a lot of investment. You know, like a five mana card and three other creatures, but... Yeah. It's a combo with Call of the Bloodline. It is, but I think I'm True? Doing. Yeah, that's not, it's not really my speed these days. That's a little too cute for me. It's also an enchantment. Oh, that's good for Delirium. Yeah. It's also bad <laughs> okay. if your opponent has Dramoka's Command. Mm, that's a good true. one. Uh, all right, next card. Andrew's favorite and least favorite card out of the whole set, I think. Yeah. Summary dismissal to UU instant exile all other spells and counter all abilities. So why why do you I think you should like this card, Andrew. Why do you not like this card? First off, it costs four mana and the support for these like full lockout control decks is just not there. Like you're too weak to Planeswalkers, you're too weak in the early game, and your late game just gets gone over the top by their tireless tracker. So just any sort of like control card nowadays is just probably bad. But I do have a funny kind of situation that I mentioned to the to the guys before the show, and they called me crazy, and I think they're going to call me crazy again. Oh yeah. Can I, can, oh, yeah. can I actually briefly mention something? I, I do want you to share this story so I can make fun of you, but... I, I do want to talk about, like, what you just said a little bit about Planeswalkers and stuff. Mm, go for it. it. It seems to me, like, obviously this card is expensive, so your window on using it when you're behind on board is, like, you know, you can't play it on turn three or whatever when your opponent plays a four-mana Planeswalker, but it seems to me, like, if you randomly draw this this card while you're behind, like, you can finagle some situation where you're countering, like, an ability, and you can actually get value out of it. Whereas, like, traditionally, like, if you top deck a counter spell and your opponent has a bunch of planeswalkers, you can't do anything at all. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not excited at all to like counter a planeswalker ability once because you can only get one with it. No, I, I certainly understand that, but it's like I think it's wor it's worth noting that this card is extremely unique and like there's lots of situations where you can get value out of it. Yeah, it's just the the decks I'm talking about are just so inherently weak to planeswalkers just because of the lack of hero's downfall and a good counter spell. Yeah, I mean, you just you you can't build traditional control decks anymore. Hey, Andrew, tell your story. Okay, all right. Uh, let's say we are playing some sort of lockout control deck that can like potentially stop your opponent from doing from doing anything. But your opponent casts an Emrakul. I'm actually almost inclined to let the Mind Slaver trigger resolve and then just counter the Emrakul because since my deck is only 
draw cards, removal, and I don't know, that's probably it. Uh, I'm just going to get a free counter spells. I'm going to get a free draw step. And then when they can't do anything on my turn, go to my second turn and get another draw step. A, that is ridiculous because (laughs) you're never going to play that deck in a tournament. We're not going to let you. And B, I could see that situation maybe happening, but more realistically, you're just going to be like, oh man, if I like, you know, let the mind slaver me, yeah, I get to draw an extra card, but they're just going to like use my two removal spells on like their blister pod and then like counter one of my removal spells too. Like, dude, you have just not been mind slavered. It is so rare that you're just like, oh, draw, I can't do anything, tap you out, go. Yeah, I, I think you're literally just a crazy person for even considering that this is a possibility. It, it kind of blows my mind, honestly. Like, Mind Slaver is just such a ridiculous effect. Like, obviously, you could, like, gauge your hand and make this decision. Even if your hand was just all lands, like, I, I can't imagine you would do this. Look, I said it was a ridiculous, ridiculous story already, and I agree that it's going to be definitely dependent on what your hand is and the texture of the board. I'm just trying to get all the value. I'm trying to see all the angles, man, or the angle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that this card is like a clean answer to Worldbreaker, which is why you should maybe like it. But I am very happy that you see this card and it answers the thing that like should be causing you the most issues. But your deck is just not playable anyway, like all Worldbreaker issues aside. Yeah. I do like that. That does sound about right right now. If your deck is weak to Worldbreaker, uh, you have bigger problems. All right. Can we talk about the stuff that's, like, actually awesome to talk about? The stuff that, like, Majors and I are excited to talk about? Go for it. I mean, we're only 40 minutes into the show, you know. I guess we could, should get around to it. These eight mana emerge cards, and I'm going to I'm gonna hone in specifically on the eight mana ones. There are two of them that are spoiled at rare. One is basically a black emerge card, the other one's blue, but they're eight colorless. Uh, the blue one is... Elder Deep Fiend, keep messing up that name, like Elder Deep Spawn, I want to call it, or, yeah, I don't know, whatever. It's I keep calling it Eldrazi Deep Fiend. Yeah, exactly. Good enough. So Eldrazi Octopus, Flash, 5-6, when you cast it, tap up to four target permanents, Emerge, 5-U-U, which is basically you can sack a creature, pay the Emerge cost reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So converted mana cost is not the colored mana symbols, you know, like if you sack a Nissa. Vastwood Seer, it is just reduced by three, not like 2G. And the black one is Distended Mindbender, and I found out what Distended means today, so I'm very upset, <laughs> but... Eight mana, five, five, Eldrazi Insect. When you cast this, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose from it a non-land card with CMC three or less, and a card with CMC four or greater. That player discards those cards, emerge five BB. So there's, there's a mythic one currently, there's an uncommon and a common. I think there are going to be more of these... It is weird that they are only in Sultai so far, but I could see that being the case. Uh, I could see there being, like, a green one at rare. Uh, I could see there being, like, some more common ones. But basically, like, all these cards seem very, very good to me, but specifically the ones that are rares. The, the thing is, like, cost reduction mechanics are just broken inherently. Like, you're kind of just playing with fire at any point. You can just turn a resource into another with no additional cost. In this case, it's sacrificing a creature, but, like, my argument would be that the only thing that actually matters in standard right now is getting on the battlefield. And if you're not playing creatures, you're not winning anyways. So being able to build your deck in a manner where you can easily play a three drop and then on turn four cast, in my mind, the best ones, either Distended Mindbender or Elder Deep Fiend. With Elder Deep Fiend, you're time walking your opponent. Uh, you can potentially trigger Sanctum of Ugin. With Distended Mindbender, you get their two best cards. Um, I actually played a versus video today, the day of this recording. 
against Ross and took his Nissa and Chandra, and those are the only two spells in his hand. It's just utterly <laughs> filthy. Come on. What, what was his board? What did he have? He had a Thopter Engineer and a Token, I believe. Nice. Hmm. What deck is he playing? Don't don't worry about that. Not 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 that important. <laughs> Man, I to- I I totally be my bad opponent. It was great. <laughs> not a, not a deck, but still. We were, you know, he was trying out new stuff and so was I, but the the point I'm trying to make is these cards are immensely powerful. I think there's there's three takeaways. Uh one is that Elder Deep Fiend is like functionally a time walk slash cryptic command, so you can like kind of you know, you can tap down your opponent's lands early in the game or you can tap down their creatures and get aggressive. Uh Distinted Mindbender completely breaks up your opponent's draws you can either like take the removal spell and there's no way that it can kill your creature because it's on the stack it's a cast trigger so like traditionally discard spells are kind of used in manners to where like you can either like disrupt your opponent's game plan or bust up their curve and this card does both simultaneously and gives you a 5-5 and like these cards naturally synergize with sanctum of Ugin and Kozlik's return even though they're like kind of functionally four mana creatures but they just happen to be eight mana eldrazi creatures uh, the key, I think, is finding stuff that you don't really mind to sacrifice, and Mana Reshaper is the pretty obvious one. There are things like Catacomb Sifter and Eldrazi Sky Spawner that I think are still pretty decent also. Whirler Rogue is okay. Elvish Visionary, Nissa Vastwood Seer. I'm sorry, Majors, that I'm, I'm sacrificing a Nissa, but that is just going to happen at some point. I don't feel good about it. You know, my girl's been good to me, but greater cause you know yeah i mean maybe you'll play liliana and get her back i don't know but if we're just kind of ignoring the fact that like you know you have to like use the mana that you spent on turn three to cast these on turn four like once you get past that and you're like oh well i'm i am getting like eight mana's worth for this one card and in the case of the deep fiend you're getting a a ton of tempo also you could just ambush something and eat it very easily including reality smasher because it's a five six for whatever reason and the black one is just, like, from a green-white token's perspective, if you did this to me when you were on the play, you take, like, my Gideon and my Dromokus command, like, what am I doing? Like, now you have a 5-5, five five, I just have, like, some dinky little things, maybe I'm making some plants or whatever, but it's, like, you just completely shred my hand, and you have this giant thing. Like, maybe you're sacking Sanctum of Ugin and getting, like, a Reality Smasher, too, and it's just like, okay, I'm just super dead. These things just, like, go over the top of what anyone else is doing. I think another thing worth mentioning with, like, Sanctum of Ugin is, like, in the past, we've only seen this card featured in, like, dedicated ramp decks. You're like, obviously, I'm going to, you know, sacrifice and get another World Breaker. I'll get an Ulamog with Cecil Hunger or whatever. But with these decks, since you're sacrificing it when you're casting, like, your 4-drop, you actually have a lot of versatility of what you can get. Like, it's reasonable to get a Matter Reshaper or, you know, an Eldrazi Sky Spawner or just another one of these copies of cards or, like, a Reality Smasher. Yeah, in our video today, you just, like, sacked... The Sanctum got another Deep Fiend and then just played the Deep Fiend off the original Deep Fiend to, like, fog me again. You know, like, Ooh. that is sick. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, you just you just get this two-mana, you know, misbind click. You just get to redo it. And there's there's Lashweed Lurker now, which is eight-mana, five-four, uh, emerges for five-UG, and cast trigger, you put a non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. Like, that is also just, like, pretty devastating with Sanctum of Ugin. You just get another one, and you just, like, dismiss with them a couple times. You know, that that is just gross. Yeah, like, I could definitely see, like, building a deck that plays, like, Reflector Mage into this, and then you just, like, run it back. And, yeah, that's pretty filthy. These are the things that I want to be doing right now. There are a lot of cool things in this set. You know, there's, like, take inventory, there's, like, a volcanic hammer that exiles Hangerback Walker, there's some, like, new vampire stuff, 
Thalia and, and Gisela are cool, right? Uh, there's Grim Flare. But it's just like all this stuff is so small ball in comparison to the Emerge cards. And like now, I mean, we've, we have some games under our belt. And it's like our decks were not great, right? Like the deck that you played today was like a blue-red thing that was, was definitely just like a week zero deck. But it was still like really good. And you beat me. You beat my like banned human deck 3-2 or whatever. And it just felt like... You go Deep Fiend, Sex Sanctum, get Reality Smasher. Like, I'm basically tapped out. Couldn't really do anything that turn. You hit me for 10, and it's just like, I'm so far behind. And that just seems absurd to me. Like, I, I don't I don't feel like Green-White Tokens is even, like, remotely in the same ballpark as any deck that is doing something close to this. Yeah, it's kind of the, the same comparison that we just talked about earlier. It's like, I'm literally playing, you know, an Eldrazi deck, but it's kind of the same thing where I'm able to use my mana more efficiently by proxy of this mechanic Emerge. Whereas you're kind of just like playing it straight and playing Gideon on turn four. It's not going to compete with, you know, my five, six time walk that tutors for something. Basically, any three drop into four drop is not going to compete with these things. And you can certainly look at like, oh, you know, if you just play like the Deep Fiend and it gets like spot removal or whatever, you know, like then then you're just behind and blah, blah, blah. But there's no good spot removal. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, there's, there's Stasis Snare, right? Like that's the one card I think that you can point to, but like... What is instant speed that kills a 5-6? Because they're likely going to be tapping your lands, right? So what what are we doing here? Also, I think it's just important to note that, like, the design space for how to build these decks is huge. Like, it's in three different colors, plus, like, they have inherent synergy with Cosmic's Return, which is a fourth color. It's not clear whether you want to be, like, hyper-aggressive or kind of, like, mid-rangey with just, like, these huge breakers and tutors. Like, there's so much stuff you can do. Agreed. And right now, there are 84 out of 205 cards spoiled, so... We still have, like, 100 cards left to go, which, you know, if, if anything, if, if there's, like, another, like, Elvish Visionary-type thing or Catacomb Siftery-type thing, just, like, something you can sack for value, just, like, I'm in there for sure. Yeah, exactly. Any 3-drop is at a super premium now because it can curve into one of these 4s. I definitely did not think of Sanctum of Ugin and the Emerge cards. That seems really powerful. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of that either. I think, like, Majors is really good at this, where he, he's always aware of, like, the things that have happened before, and it's just like, I feel like he just, like, keeps his eye on certain stuff, where he's just like, okay, well, this card is going to be busted if, like, X happens or whatever, and then it does. There's just this 8-man Eldrazi that costs 4, or in the case of Modern, he's like, oh, I can, like, Mirror Enforcer sack Sanctum of Ugin and get another Mirror Enforcer. You know, it's like, I don't necessarily think of that stuff, but Majors does. So it's like, okay, I look at Elder Deep Fiend, I'm like, yeah, this card seems hella good. I don't know, like, how to build a deck around this, because this is just uncharted territory, right? But then he's like, well, no, actually, I have this, and K Return, and Sanctum of Ugin, and, like, this is how I build my deck. And it's just like, dude, you're, like, you're, like, a week ahead of me, at least. Yeah, like, the only downside I can think of is, like, losing tempo by sacking your land on turn four, but... But, but as long as you don't get, like, if you get Reality Smasher, it's fine if you had a Sky Spawner, right? Because you can still play the Smasher, and then it doesn't matter, you know? You would Lotus Petal off that stuff all day. But as long as you're not getting, like, a World Breaker or something that actually costs 7, then it doesn't really matter. Also, I j just thought of it now. So, in the video that I played today, I had one Drowner of Hope as a tutor target. But it should have been yeah. a Thought Knots here, exactly for this scenario. So you can go, like, sack my fourth land... Time walk you and then TK you on turn five. Yeah, you're That's absolutely powerful. right. Yeah, like because I, I wasn't really thinking about how the games would play out. I thought it was just like, oh, maybe late game, like you would want a thing to get, but it's like you would always just get another deep fiend instead of a drowner. So the drowner just doesn't make any sense. And yeah, thought not since you're playing this on four and then sit, being down a land next turn, you're gonna have four mana if you don't have a sky spawner. I like thought not. 
Because then it's just like, yeah, you tap them out and then hit them for five, and you can just play Thought Knot and get like the ruinous path or whatever. This does strike me as a gun to a knife fight territory, what you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love I love green white tokens. I had a hell of a time playing it in a bunch of tournaments, and it was always good to me. Like, there's just no way that I can play that deck if if people are playing decks like these. I think standard is like kind of gonna become broken, for lack of a better word. Well, I think this is just what happens. Like, you look at the cards in the set. Like, obviously, you know, again, we're only 84 cards deep or whatever. But like, a lot of these cards are just playable, even if they're only like fringe playable. I, I just feel like with like five and six set standard. You're, you're able to take more shots and just, like, put more constructed cards in sets. And I think that's kind of what they're doing. Because it's just, like, it, like if you mess up, it's not going to be around for very long. You do want there to be just, like, a lot of different options for people. Like, a lot of natural churn and stuff to just, like, keep the format moving. I don't know. I just look at all these cards. It's like, yeah, I can see playing this. I can see playing this. I can see playing this. It's basically just, like, the weirdo mythics. Like, the minds dilations and, like, the, the intro pack rares and stuff. And then just like the limited filler, but like anything else, like all these cards are just good. Yeah, I agree. There, there's a heavy saturation of build around me cards in the set, which is really exciting. Even like Thalia's Lancers. Like you, you've been so busy with Emerge stuff, you haven't built me a Thalia's Lancers uh, Displacer deck yet. <laughs> I actually I actually have one. I can send it to you after we're done with this. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. I went through the list of legendary stuff and I was like, all right, you know. Maybe maybe we could actually do something here, but uh, cheering up Oath of Chandra's and Oath of Nissa's is nice. Oh yeah, no, I, I looked and there was just like a lot of stuff. It was kind of sweet. I thought you could tutor up uh, Planeswalkers, but I didn't think it all the way through. You can't. Wait, are you saying that you can or cannot? Cannot. Oh, because it doesn't actually say legend on it. Right. It's it's kind of like inherently implied that it's a legend, but it's not actually a legend. It, yeah, it's just like a planeswalker now, isn't it? A legend rule? I don't know. Well, it's like the name yeah, rule, the name but rule. it's not like a legend. Okay. See, so yeah, I like I thought you could go Thali's Lancers, Tutor Up Chandra, and I was like, man, that's sweet, but no, you can't. Well, that's good to know. So I guess the options here, like assume assume that we're right, you know, and these emerge cards are just like the biggest and best thing that you can be doing in standard and there are going to be a lot of different ways to build them and stuff. What what are you worried about exactly? Like, obviously, green-white tokens is just going to be kind of an embarrassment, I think, in like compared to specifically the Deep Fiend and the Mindbender. But, like, what are you worried about? Like, you like you said, you can play Kozilek's Return, so, like, maybe the, the humans matchup is not bad, but it still might be because, like, the onus is on you to have a good draw. So, like, what else? That's kind of why I think it's busted is because like you can just build your deck in a way that you can go smaller and beat up these other decks like you're already naturally incentivized to play stuff like sky spawner and catacomb sifter and matter reshaper and then you have like you can play uh, wretched griff for three mana and flashback your Kozlex returns like how do you address that yeah i don't i don't know man like <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out i guess i do want to play some games like tomorrow ish i think we should do that no i'm, I'm down like i when, when, like, something is fresh and, like, there's so much room to break it, like, that's super exciting to me. Which is weird for a second set, also. Like, this set is, like, so impactful. Well, it's, it's kind of what you touched on. It's just, like, it's built upon all these other, like, kind of hidden synergies. And it's just, if you put all the pieces together, like, you have something that's, like, truly special. It's part of the new, like, rotation of standard. So I, I'm, I'm assuming since they cut out the third set, they're just going to insert more powerful cards within the t first two of the block. Are, are we are we maybe jumping the gun here? Like, do you think that we're crazy? Like, obviously, if you just say, like, hey, how do you guys feel about cost reduction? It's just like, yeah, that stuff is busted, right? And that's kind of what these are. 
And it's not even just like, you know, their, their eight mana 10 tens that you play on turn four or whatever. It's just like they actually provide like, you know, card advantage in the case of the black one and a lot of tempo advantage in the case of the blue one. And I, I'm assuming that you sack something kind of for value, right? In general, even, even if you don't, you know, like these things are still obviously very, very good rates. I think the decks are going to be very good, and I don't think that they're necessarily like reliant on you having these cards to make them good. But like, is it possible that we're thinking that these are better than they are, or like, do you, do you actually think like the PT is going to be kind of messed up? I think it's going to be messed up. The biggest issue for me is like both the blue and the black one give you control over what your opponent is doing for that turn before they can pro- properly answer the card. I don't know if I ex- explained that properly, but I, I-, I hope that came across. I-, I get it, but it is it is certainly worth noting that, uh, again, if these were just, like, very large and vanilla, there probably wouldn't be an issue, right? Yeah, yeah. If it was just, like, you know, you pay four mana for a 6-6 six, six that, you know, it's cool that you can flashback Coslick's Return and Sacrifice Sanctum of Ugin, but, like, your opponent would just kill it or bounce it with the Reflector Mage or whatever, but, like, you get to, like, you know, disrupt your opponent's draw, disrupt your opponent's tempo. Like, those things are incredibly powerful when attached to relevant bodies. I think Reality Smasher factors into it a lot, too, especially in the case of the Deep Fiend. The El- the other Eldrazi supporting cast are all both inherently disruptive and aggressive between Reality Smasher and Thought Not Seer. Like, the supporting cast is great. Do you think, like, all the old standard decks in general are just going to be, like, invalidated by these new strategies? So I think that Bant's company can get under them. I don't know what sort of Bant deck it will be, but I do feel like there's enough versatility and things like Reflector Mage, and they can start playing, like, instant speed answers. Like, Unsubstantiate is actually, like, kind of a reasonable answer to these things, where it's just, like, if if they are pressuring you, you can get it out of the way. Like, I think a lot of it comes down to tempo, not card advantage, right? At, At least in the case of the Deep Fiend. And I feel like the Bant decks can kind of, like, go wide around these, but then you have, like, the Kozilek's return problem, where it's just, like, if they want to build their deck that way, they can, like, also just deal with you. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That's beautiful. I love not knowing. I mean, I know what I'm going to play with. I don't know exactly how everything's going to play out. So I was writing down a, a blue-green deck list after our video, and it was basically just, like, the Bant company like cryptolith right shell basically from the box like oliver twos and and magnus's list with like yep. the smashers main deck and stuff so it's like they have uh sky spawner lone dryad reality smasher and it was just like i just cut the companies for deep fiends and i'm still playing like lone dryad cryptolith right just because i think like Duskwatch recruiter is still very good and i don't know like the the three drops all look packed the two drops look pretty good I mean, Elvish Visionary serves a role, but obviously it's not super exciting. Yeah, the deck just looks super sick to me. We still got a bunch more cards to go. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, too. It's just like, I'm already, I already have to cut cards because there are like too many good cards, basically. I was just going to say, my, my baseline impression after today is like, your two drops should be substantial on the battlefield. Like, you know, Sylvan Advocate, Dustwatcher Creator are good examples. And then like your three drops should be like designed to sacrifice for value, like Mattery Shaper, Sky Spawner, Nissa Vasswood Seer, Reflector Mage, and that's just kind of how you should model your deck. Yeah, I, I didn't want to splash. I probably could, but yeah, it just didn't really feel necessary to me. Also, there there aren't like a lot of blue cards in the deck besides Sky Spawner and Deep Fiend. So like yeah. the mana I think is actually pretty good. There's, there's also different ways to go. Like you can incorporate tons of flash elements and like actually just play Deep Fiend like a Mistbind Click, like, you know, where your opponent has to play around like 
Deep Fiend, Avacyn, Ojutai's Command, Rattle Chain shenanigans. Like, there's there's lots of different ways to go about doing it. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, like, Bounding Crassus and Void Graffer are also cards that you could play. So yeah, no no shortage of good stuff in, in the green decks, obviously. But yeah, I'm, I, I'm more excited about the Deep Fiend, just because I kind of wanted to, like, get the games over with on turn six. I'm less interested in playing, like, this disruptive kind of slower game. I got, Maybe the Mindbender has, like, the edge in the mirror, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think the, the Mindbender theoretically plays better with Kozilek's Return, so... I am also interested in playing the Mindbender in these, like, Traverse um, toolbox decks. Yeah, that was... I, I had a lot of decks that had this and the Flare and was, like, trying to make that happen. I think that Deep Fiend is better at, like, creating this very cohesive, synergistic, aggressive shell, whereas, like, Mindbender can be just put into basically anything that has you know, black cards and creatures. Yeah, mine, mine better is tougher to build around for sure. Like Deep Fiend, I know exactly what my game plan is. Okay, well, uh, I guess I guess we're going to say for now that the sky is falling and Standard is busted and these cards are super sick. And I do think we, we should we should note before we conclude that Provinces, or Decimator of the Provinces, I also keep messing up that name, is like substantially worse, even though it's kind of flashier. Plus two plus two is just not a lot. Yeah, it's not... There's also just no clean curve. Like you can't just like play three drop into four drop. Yeah, it's like nine to emerge. I don't know. And also like emerge. You know, this isn't the the biggest criticism, but emerge doesn't actually play well with provinces plus two plus two to all your team. Mostly true, right? Because it's like if you're playing like Eyeless Watcher or something, Whoa. then it's kind of fine. But obviously, yeah, it sucks if you have to like sack a creature when you're trying to overrun them. Yeah, but that at that point you're like actually. You're actually playing just like you know subpar cards. So. Raven familiar, egg. You know, come on, man. We're not Raven. Come on. Palace familiar. Palace familiar. Raven familiar is a good card. It took me two games to be like, uh, Palace familiar sucks. My <laughs> All right, Andrew. Do you believe us? Do you think this? Uh, yeah. I mean, you didn't tell me any of this beforehand, and now all these ideas are turning around in my head, and I really want to go build some decks right now. Well, dope. I mean, I'm going to make you stay after to, to talk to me for a little bit, but then, then you can go build decks, I guess. All right, fine. I'll go do that then. You're also like three hours in the past, so you have more time to build decks today. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's only like 5.30 here. All right. Well, think that about does it. I think next week's show is going to be interesting because we're likely going to follow up on this and have some more games under our belt and stuff, and we'll be able to actually talk at length you know, as far as, like, specific deck lists and stuff, I think that might be cool. But yeah, I'm definitely going to work on this blue-green deck. The mind, the mind better thing, I think I'm just going to mess up. I think I'm going to, like, build all my green-black decks kind of poorly. So, Majors, I think that one's on you. Yeah, I played with the Aristocrats today that kind of updated a little bit with Mindbender just for some generic power, and it was good. Probably a decent place to start, but I have, I have some ideas. Okay. Andrew, do you have anything that's different than the stuff that we mentioned? No, I'm going to fall into my normal trap of trying to build some control decks and then finally realize they're not good enough and then build some blue, white, black tempo deck and then just try and build whatever the best deck is after that. Well, you could just like skip the whole first process. Yeah, you know, I got people on my team who are better than me at doing that and they kind of rely on me on trying to figure out if my strategy is a viable strategy because you can't really leave everything unturned okay so like you got like your niche and it's your responsibility to satisfy that that is the process okay so uh last thing that i forgot about thalia is really good like specifically against the deep fiend i i, I think thalia is just actually good against everything in every format but 
I don't know if we want to get that deep into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that is that is likely true too. But that was it. One one tiny little note. So we're talking about like, oh, what can you do? Can't really do anything. There's no Doomblade or whatever. But Thalia's good. It just got contorted and can't return a bunch. But it was still good. So that's it. Show's kind of long. Uh, no games this week because we're all lazy bums. And we spent too much time, I think, thinking about Magic Cards to actually come up with any of that stuff. So, as always, uh, you can tweet at us with some Uvenwald mysteries at the Game Podcast. Uh, we are we are short on some of those, although I did get a couple good ones this last week. I am at G three R R Y T. Andrew is at Merk underscore Lurker. Michael Majors is at Michael J Majors, and that's gonna do it for this week. That's game! It's a power plant. It's a Sylvan Scrying, making Tron look easy. There's Nurse's Mind. That's game. <laughs> <laughs>